Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, May 30th, 2023, and I'm your host, Ariel Taylor, with my co-host for the evening, Anastasia. We had a wonderful group of starseeds for our starseed quest last week, and Lavendar will be back uh, for the next show. Our topic for tonight is about planetary transits. We currently have some very powerful planets at positions that affect us globally and personally, so understanding what they are and how they're influencing us is essential to our success. Transits to your natal chart are like weather forecasts, but have a lot more reliability in your everyday life. So often people react to their influences without understanding rather than use it to their advantage or they are unaware of things that may be tainting their perceptions and taking them off course. We'll be talking uh, mostly about the outer planets since those transits last for years and they do have the power to bring great evolution if we're aware of those energies. And being familiar with your natal chart is vital for starseeds so you can follow your own transits on a regular basis to make the most of the current energies. You can find out more about learning the basics on our site, which is starseedhotline.com, and look in the Vault of Knowledge, where we have a digital download available to help you understand the fundamentals that you'll need to do transits for yourself. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest and hope to starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. Um, As I mentioned, our main website is starseedhotline.com, and our Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one Zoom session. Lavendar has retired now from doing sessions so she can finish her book and continue writing for Starseeds. And remember, if you have a birthday coming up, you're going to get a window of 10 hours of great manifestation power. So find out when that happens exactly so you can make the most of it. Just request your solar return timing chart. And if you do that a week or two before your birthday, that would be enough time. But if you want a reading of that chart, you're going to need to order it about two months before your birthday. So, uh, see, okay, first up, I wasn't sure that Anastasia was here or not, but she did just phone in. So, with the Starseed News, here is Anastasia. (laughs) Oh, good evening, Ariel. Hello, everybody. And I'm sorry to put you through such a a stress there for a moment. (laughs) Well, I didn't know. I mean, you know, sometimes the phone system doesn't let you in right away. But that's um, what happened. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad well, to be here. I'm <laughs> glad you're here time. <laughs> well, it's good to be back with you again. It's um, a beautiful evening. We're coming into June. Can you believe that? And there's Hard been quite believe. a bit of things that have 
Yeah, I know. There's been quite a few good things that have gone on the last few weeks, so I want to share with you. Some of these you may have heard, some may not. Probably most of them you haven't. But it was a good week, a good past few weeks, good months actually for green energy. While are things really, you know, they're shifting so rapidly, I'm not even sure we're ready for it. A lot of talk about this for so many decades, about climate change and needing to do this and that, and everybody drags their feet and kicks the can down the road, and now all of a sudden there's an explosion of emergency actions such as um, uh, instituting electric vehicles and stuff when, in fact, we don't have the kind of electric grid that we need to manage that. So I'm not sure, but what we're falling all over ourselves in an attempt to do something at the last minute, which would be pretty typical for human behavior, but uh, it is certain now that green energy has gotten off the couch and people are acting very quickly about it. So it's been a good uh, time for that. Renewables... Renewable energies are leaving fossil fuels trailing way behind. According to this new report by the International Energy Agency, it has predicted that investment in green energy is going to surge to almost $2 trillion this year, far outstripping the $1 trillion that's been predicted for oil, gas, and coal. Five years ago, that ratio was one-to-one. Now, the IEA has said that the war in Ukraine and concerns about the affordability and volatility of fossil fuels are strengthening the momentum behind more sustainable options, as, of course, it would be. They say clean energy is moving fast, faster than many people realize. It's clear to us that clean technologies are pulling away far and beyond fossil fuels. That is good news. Yeah, it is good. Forever it's been discussed, and all of a sudden, whoosh, you know, there it goes. And speaking of money or investment money that's bailing out of fossil fuels, now there is a trend to take polluters to court for the climate change they've caused. And this is emerging as an effective tactic for environmental groups and concerned citizens. Now, a study by the London School of Economics suggests that the relative value of fossil fuel firms fell that is, fell by an average of almost a half of a percent after a case was filed and by one and a half percent after an unfavorable judgment. Mm, That's big fry for big oil, or small fry, I should say, for big oil. That's not much money, but researchers are hoping that this work will encourage lenders, regulators, and governments to consider the effect of climate litigation when making investments and ultimately encourage greener investing, you know, the money talks. So the big movement, even companies supporting uh, other companies and and, uh, candidates for office and everybody supporting everybody that's all for green energy, this is really taking uh, on. Now, climate plaintiffs, people that want to sue because they have been hurt by climate change uh, uh, from fossil fuels, well, that is – Uh, a story in and of itself. Communities that have been impacted by climate change in the United States, let's say maybe Northern California, think perhaps uh, Paradise uh, or another town that was destroyed by wildfires or other places. Just think that for an example, as a community. Well, communities that have been impacted by climate change will now be able to hold fossil fuel firms into account. Since the Supreme Court rejected Big Oil's attempts to move climate litigation cases to federal courts. Now, what does that mean? Well, it's just that state courts are considered more lenient towards plaintiffs than federal courts. 
and attempts to challenge where cases could be heard were seen as a delay tactic by big oil, of course. And some communities have been waiting almost 10 years to hold fossil fuel firms accountable for climate change, and now they can. After the Supreme Court rebuffed ExxonMobil and Suncor Energy's appeal to change the venue for lawsuits, the firms will now likely face litigation in the states of Rhode Island, Colorado, Maryland, California, Hawaii, and some other states. They say that the Supreme Court's decision, surprisingly, is a significant victory for climate justice. The decision sends a powerful message to fossil fuel companies, evading responsibility will not be tolerated. Boy, things are changing. What was once the big power, pinnacle of power, is starting to slide down the mountain. Well, there has been a game-changing drug, they say, for menopause, which has apparently just received U.S. approval. This is a drug that's been predicted to revolutionize menopause treatment and has been approved by United States regulators. Around 70% of women going through the menopause experience, such as hot flashes, can significantly disrupt their lives and they're miserable. And some women are prescribed hormone replacement therapy to help, but that treatment isn't suitable for everybody. Hundreds of thousands of women can't take it. Well, there's a new drug that will help, they say. In clinical trials, it was found to reduce the frequency of hot flashes by up to 73%. And one professor involved in these studies described the drug as a game changer. So we shall see. At least now you know. And a paralyzed man has walked again. This is a medical first. A paralyzed man has walked again thanks to implants in his brain that can read his thoughts. The Dutchman, here's the Dutchman, a man from Holland, (laughs) was left paralyzed for 12 years after a cycling accident. He had these brain implants electronically uh, uh, put in there, and those uh, transmit his thoughts to his legs and feet. And that is utilized with the assistance of a second medical implant on his spine. So I hope you got all that. Implants in his brain, transmitting thoughts to his legs and feet with the assistance of an implant in his spine, sending the signals. Now, this system was created by something called the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology, Lausanne. It's still in its infancy, infancy, but they say now other people, many people, who have lost the use of their legs can have a hope of being able to walk again. It is a major breakthrough. It is the future, perhaps, of those who cannot walk, that there will be a remedy for this widespread Pretty amazing. Wow, yeah. Oh, you know, back uh, even so recently, what's it been, a month or so ago, I don't know, all these uh, uh, air, uh, excuse me, you guys, airplanes, you know, the flights, all of the air traffic controllers having problems and the flight disruptions and canceled flights and all of that uh, calls attention to the problems of the air. And um, they showed on the uh, news the maps of how many planes are in the air at any given time across the United States. It's unbelievable how many flights are in process at any given moment. It's staggering, just staggering. And then, of course, on top of that, there are private jets. So there is a lot of emissions from air traffic going on in the air at all times. It's, it's, It's astonishing how much there is. 
Well, now they have decided that it would be very beneficial to ground private jets, that that could significantly cut the carbon footprint of aviation. And this is according to a study commissioned in the U.K., and that they're urging people to get a grip on the rising demand for private flights. Now, catch this. You think, oh, private jets, not very many out of all the commercial traffic that there is. Well, this study found that 75% of emissions from aviation come from business aviation, namely private jets. If you can believe it, Greenpeace says there are 90,000 private jets that departed just the U.K. last year, one country, belching out around 600,000 tons of CO2. Gee whiz. Reducing these flights by half would reduce the sector's emissions by approximately 37%, almost all the decarbonization required under the balanced net zero pathway, if you guys got that. The Department for Transportation should consider measures to reduce demand of unsustainable carbon-intensive flights. That many rich people, that many private jets in just one country, imagine worldwide. And yes, indeed, it probably would do them well to also start cutting commercial jets. I mean, holy cow, we are really something the kinds of resources we're using because of the lifestyles that we're used to. Well, now speaking up of cleaning up the airways, here's something to think about. We could ask ourselves, could a relic from aviation's history be a low-carbon future for air travel? How about dot, 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 the airship? (laughs) You know, the passenger blimps of yesteryear. Well, it's not not just a dream. There is a movement underway right now that is racing to put passenger blimps in the skies this very decade. Remember the the Zeppelins and all of that? Wow. Well, the firms leading the charge claim that their Zephyr-style aircrafts offer a greener, more pleasant form of air travel, utilizing technology that's already available. The first recorded airship to have successfully flown was built by a Frenchman. He combined a steam engine with a propeller and a huge sack of hydrogen, (laughs) daring man, and lifted off into the skies above Paris in 1852. Well, I guess you all know about some of the things that followed. It was great for a while, and then there were some crashes, and then, well, people just got scared and quit. But today's companies are going to start by targeting short-distance regional transport routes, including freight and transportation and humanitarian relief, as well as passengers. Wow. And uh, they use helium, by the way. Now, helium, in case you've ever tried to get helium for your balloons, if you want to have a party, you want to get a canister of helium to blow up balloons, helium has been in terrible short supply all over the planet. But apparently they can recycle helium, and there's enough to last for 50 years. Uh, just at the present rate of availability. And um, this, the, the helium that they can use in these airships can be recycled many times, used over and over and over again. I don't know how that works, but anyway, the, it's feasible to do it this way. It's feasible. It's uh, an excellent alternative. It would take us a long way until we found out some other means of propelling these airships. And so that, you know, in the next maybe 10, 15 years, we may be seeing the Zeppelin-like uh, air bubbles in the uh, airships in the air, really cool. Quiet transportation, they're supposed to be quite luxurious. The problem, the one problem, is that they are slow. So you won't make it to Los Angeles in a matter of hours 
you know, six, eight hours if you're trying flying from New York. Uh, <laughs> it can take a little bit longer, but nevertheless, they say it will be a, a smooth flight. It's a green alternative. It's luxurious, and, and it's fun. So there you have it. All right. And there's been some new good, uh, some good news for vegetables and veggie lovers. We found out that going veggie or vegan can reduce the risk of having a heart attack and stroke. This is according to a new paper, paper published in the European Heart Journal. Now, researchers analyzed four decades' worth of trials comparing groups of people who followed a plant-based diet with groups who continued as omnivores. And vegetarian and vegan diets were associated with a 14% reduction in artery-clogging cholesterols, which, as they say, is a leading cause of strokes and heart attacks. They do tell us, though, that those considering making the switch should plan diets so they are key, getting their key nutrients like vitamin B12, which is really necessary, and iron, which are more common in animal-based foods and other nutrients as well. That's really not much of a news article, I don't think. Um, I think we kind of already knew that some of that was good, and sometimes it's not. You've got to get all your vitamins. Anyway, a vaccine to protect people from respiratory syncytial virus, RSV. This kills up to 10,000 people, elderly people, every year in the United States alone. Uh, a vaccine for that has been approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. It says that the vaccine has an efficacy of 82.6%. And according to the Centers for Disease Control, prevention is needed before the drug, uh, uh, excuse me, approval is needed before the drug can be made available. All right. Well, this is some good news out of the Amazon rainforest. Wow. Uh, Swaz of the Amazon rainforest are now protected from mining and commercial farming. After the Brazilian president created six new indigenous reserves in their country. The move effectively puts 620,000 hectares, which is a million and a half acres, into the hands of indigenous native groups, which is, they are a proven solution to deforestation. They take care of the land. The rates of deforestation, I can't say that, soared under the previous president, who did not protect the indigenous tribes, and the new president is trying to change that. That sounded like a political statement, but I'm just giving you the commentary in the article. <laughs> uh, I didn't mean that to sound like that. Indigenous groups have welcomed, of course, embraced this decision, but said that they need even more reserves. I imagine they do say that. And according to the BBC, the government previously pledged to create 14 such sites, so they plan on doing more. They're trying to halt the deforestation uh, uh, for obvious reasons. I mean, it's really just been strip mined and everything else. That uh, They've just had a terrible time of it. So now uh, they are really trying to turn that around, and according to this article, they're actually getting successful. So this would be a tremendous uh, blessing to the planet if we could just stop that and, and turn it around. And by all means, let the natives take it back. Please, please do. Um, there's something called a 15-minute window. Well, that's not about a window of time or, you know, you've you got 15 minutes to do something. This is literally a window that you look out of, and it uh, has to do with Ukraine. Uh, there is a window for houses, you know, that takes 15 minutes to build, just 15 minutes, and it's helping Ukrainians repair and insulate their bomb-damaged houses. 
This was designed by an engineer from the University of Cambridge in England. The window used something something called triple glazed polyethylene that protects against the cold and costs only 12 pounds per square meter, whatever that is. This project that I'm talking about is called Insulate Ukraine, and it was started to keep the people in Ukraine warm and cozy or comfortable uh, in this war-ravaged country. Uh, the owner or the inventor of this product says part of Putin's war is about trying to make people in Ukraine feel cold and miserable. So we've come up with a solution that makes a real difference. And it showed people in Ukraine be inter- being interviewed uh, who get these windows and how grateful they are to have them. It takes 15 minutes to put this window in. Made of polyethylene, easy to transport, uh, portable, um, just a tremendous solution to a real problem. Wow. All right. Well, the world's largest uh, species reintroduction has taken place. What kind of species is it? About one of the smallest species in the world. The largest reintroduction of the smallest species. Scientists are calling it the largest ever wildlife reintroduction back into nature. It is the Polynesian tree snail, a little mollusk, roughly the size of your little fingernail, a little tiny thing. They're adorable, by the way, if you like snails. Some 5,500 of these animals have been reintroduced into Tahiti over the last month. Now, these are endemic to the island of Tahiti, but they were eaten to extinction by invasive snails. Ah, invasive problems. Well, the Polynesians were able to get the predators under control. I do not know how. And because they were, they've been able to reintroduce their natural habitat tree snail. It's been a joint effort by a zoological society in London and Scotland and our St. Louis Zoo in the United States. They say that uh, nature across the world is increasingly under threat, and these little snails represent hope for the world's wildlife re-establishing balance in the world. It's a wonderful thing. Well, we've got yeah. a few more minutes, and I have just a couple more little things to share. Um, am I okay with time with you? Oh, sure, you? sure. A couple no more problem. Things? Okay. This is, a, this is, you might have heard this story. Um, I caught about just 30 seconds of it on mainstream news, but I want to share it with you. You guys have kind of been off doing your thing. So uh, a 13-year-old boy in Michigan is being hailed a hero after fighting off a potential kidnapper with his slingshot. (laughs) The boy's younger sister was hunting for mushrooms in her backyard in a town in Michigan just last Wednesday when a 17-year-old appeared out of the woods behind the family's house. According to the Michigan State Police, the suspect grabbed the little 8-year-old girl and held her mouth shut to shut to prevent her from screaming he then attempted to pull her into the woods her older brother saw what was happening and started shooting at the suspect with his slingshot hitting him in the head and chest now this was a 13 year old boy protecting his eight year eight year old sister from a 17 year old attacker the suspect ran away and was later found hiding at a nearby gas station He reportedly had injuries that appeared to have been caused by the slingshot. Officials announced that the suspect had been charged as an adult on account of attempted kidnapping, but 
was defending his sister with a slingshot. Quick thinking on the part of that boy, a 13-year-old boy. He grabbed what he had, and he's a good aim, and he saved his little sister. Probably even saved her life. We don't know. And talking about, uh, we were talking about indigenous communities earlier. Did you hear this story about the indigenous community in Colombia who had four children uh, involved in a plane crash? Um, Wow. These children were found alive in the jungle weeks after their plane crash. There were four kids. Uh, Two weeks went by after the plane they were traveling in crashed in the jungle. They were looking for these kids and for all of the passengers for over two weeks. Now, there was an arduous search by the military forces, and the authorities said, we have found alive the four children who had disappeared due to the plane crash. It's a joy for the country. The children were rescued by members of the military, by firefighters and civil aviation officials. Now, the plane was carrying seven people. Uh, it issued a Mayday alert and had an engine failure, and it crashed. The three adults didn't make it. But the four children, ages 13, 9, 4, and 11 months old, survived the impact and were on their own in the dense Colombian Amazon. Oh, Preliminary man. information, yeah, from the Civil Aviation Authority, coordinated the rescue efforts, suggested that children escaped the plane and set off in the rainforest to find help. They had an 11-month-old baby. How did they find these kids? They, they found the discarded fruit the children ate to survive, as well as their improvised shelters. Uh, they dropped uh, uh, children's uh, scissors and crayons and things like that, like a little arts package they had with them that they used to cut whatever leaves or whatever to make these shelters. They had a little bit of litter through the, through the jungle that these uh, rescuers discovered. And in the photographs released by the military, the scissors, the shoes, hair ties can be seen, seen among the branches and on the jungle floor. Uh, but the children are fine. Now, I, I would, it's just awesome, an amazing story. How is that even possible? How did they feed the baby? Um, the 13-year-old must be quite the kid to look after the little one. So that's, that's quite a story. And authorities haven't said what indicated the plane crash, only that the engine failed. So the kids are all right. That's an amazing story. You know, yeah. when I was a young person and I read Robinson Crusoe and a natural-born skeptic I was, I said, oh, that could, you know, um, things like that just don't happen. Nobody could. Well, here it is. I mean, uh, some of these children could have survived maybe who knows how long. Maybe they could have. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's possible, I guess, to survive in situations like that if you're resourceful. But the children did, and obviously they had help from higher powers, shall we say. Okay, our last story for yeah. tonight. This is this is adorable. you got to hear this. A grandmother and grandson from Ohio have been on a seven-year quest to visit all 63 U.S. national parks. So on May 16th, a 93-year-old woman named Joy made history as the oldest living person to visit every U.S. national park. Now, her grandson, who's named Brad, says, It was the greatest privilege of my life to be in the driver's seat for Grandma Joy's road trip, he said. Well, by the time she was 85 years old, this old lady, Joy, had never seen the ocean or mountains. Never. 
her grandson said, when I learned she had never seen the great wildernesses of America, deserts, mountains, oceans, you name it, I thought that was something that would haunt me if I didn't intervene in some way. So her grandson took Grandma by the hand, and since then, his grandmother has rolled down the sand dunes in Colorado, went whitewater rafting and zip lining in West Virginia, <laughs> found alligators in the Everglades, and flown to the top of Denali, the highest mountain peak in North America. Their 63rd and final stop on their tour was the National Park of American Samoa. Once there, park rangers gave them certificates to celebrate the feat, one that Brad says defied erroneous assumptions about the limitations of aging. Grandma Joy also offered her insight on living a long life. She said, I am thankful every morning for another day. And it's your choice whether you're going to have a grumpy day or a sunny day. So smile at everybody and let everybody know you're having a whale of a time. She said. <laughs> oh, that is adorable. Oh, boy, that's adorable. Awesome. And quite life the accomplishment. I, I, just, and that, that yeah. grandson. What a boy that is. What a, just, I guess like grandson, like, like grandmother, like grandson. She's a character and... And he's quite the quite the kid. So what a beautiful story. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Ninety three. Went zip lining in West Virginia. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well from my heart to each one of you, keep smiling everybody. Let's follow Joy's example and her advice. Let's make it a happy day. <laughs> I love you all and I'll see you again next time. Thank you, Ariel. okay. Thank you so much, Anastasia. Great job. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, excuse me. Tonight we are going to be talking about some very important planetary influences that are going on right now. Uh, But before I get into the the details of that, I want to preface it by saying that this is something – following your transits, that everyone can do, even if you don't know anything about astrology. All you need is um, some kind of software to run those current positions. And um, there are all different kinds of astrology software that you can get. But I think one of the most affordable um, for everybody is one called Time Passages. Um, They've got They've got it on all different platforms, and um, I don't know if this is still true, but uh, several years ago when I got my iPhone, I was able to download it for free. You can only put your own chart in there, but um, it's, it's very easy to get a hold of. So understanding your own natal chart uh, and, and just knowing where your planets are is extremely important so that you can... Um, follow those the influences to those transits and uh, I kind of uh, have made this analogy before but if you think of of your your chart and the planet's positions when you were born uh, like a pool table with the balls just scattered all around and you know in the various houses and when the planets are passing overhead the current planetary positions which is a a global thing 
whenever they get a shot, you know, like on a pool table, they got a straight shot. Um, this particular planet's got a straight shot to one of your natal planets. Those that opens up the transit, and some of them um, are instantly uh, favorable. Others take a while for the the uh, for the good result to happen because some transits are not easy to go through, but eventually every transit brings benefit. So there is a book, an industry standard book. It's called Planets in Transit. It's written by Robert Hand, H-A-N-D. And so if you have the, the, um, the software that runs the transit for you, tells you what it is, then you just turn to that chapter in the book and read what Robert Hand has to say about it. And I have had so many tell me, people tell me that oh, it was like someone was looking in my window and knew exactly what was going on in my life. And that's just the evidence of planetary influences at work on a daily basis. And um, if you don't have your chart, you'll need to uh, run that first. And there are, there, are, there are places online where you can do that. Or, you know, if you get time passages, that can do it as well. But always remember that for starseed astrology, you use a different house system. Most every place in the world will use a system called Placidus, P-L-A-C-I-D-U-S. And um, during her extensive training with the Pleiadians on starseed astrology, Lavendar was told always to use the Coke house system, and that's K-O-C-H. So you'll need to establish those parameters um, when you're running your chart. And um, then you can, on a daily basis, see what kind of influences are going on. Um, my first experience with this was way back when I met Lavendar some you know, 30 years ago. The very first thing she did was get me um, a book of all my transits and then this Robert Hand um, Planets in Transit reference book. And one of the first planets energies that I became really um, familiar with, I could, I could sense it, uh, was Mars because I'm an Aries and that figures very prominently in my chart. And sometimes if you follow your transits retroactively like if you have a really exasperating day then you come home and check your transits and that's how I figured this out um, I'd come home and sure enough every time I was having some kind of a Mars transit that was producing uh, you know the fr friction or irritability or uh, you know feeling like the world was picking on me and I was like oh it's a Mars transit and when you know that it's like, oh, it'll be gone in two days. So you don't have to make any, you know, rash decisions because you see the truth of it. It's just a transit. Now, those are the inner planets. They come and go really quickly. But for tonight, we're going to be talking about more outer planets because those transits last for years. And they have the power to bring sweeping evolutionary change to your life. So... 
whenever I, I do a, a transit reading um, during my sessions, um, I always focus on those outer planets because they last for so long. Um, and right now, in the sky, I mean, this is for everybody in the whole world, the planets are at particular degrees. And the one I'm going to start um, with focus would be Pluto, which I know <laughs> technically Pluto got demoted and is no longer considered a planet. But it doesn't matter what you call him. His energy is exactly the same, and it affects you and your chart and your life um, nonetheless. So right now, Pluto is at zero degrees of Aquarius. Um, and on a, on a global level, I, I was really glad that Anastasia was bringing up how the green technologies um, and green energy is racing forward way beyond fossil fuel energy. And that is a prime example of this Pluto, which has just moved into Aquarius at zero degrees, where it will be in Aquarius for the next 15 or 20 years, depending on how many times it goes retrograde in that time. But Pluto is a planet of transformation, which would be a sequence of events, or transmutation, which is kind of instant. And it's also about regeneration and rebirth and resurrection. It also rules life and death um, uh, and sex. And it has a very um, deep and kind of subtle influence, but it's really strong. So you may not know when Pluto is influencing you, but if you know where it is in your chart, in, in, uh, as a transit to your chart, that will help you to figure out what's running in the background. But on a more global level, again, um, Pluto has just moved into Aquarius, and this is revolutionizing technology. And it is bringing a lot of um, reversals, just like Anastasia said in the news, that um, people are kind of they're waking up um, and bringing change, especially when, around technology. You know, the big tech giants have been pretty much unrestrained, doing whatever they want without regulation and without regard for public health, um, you know, impact on the public, on the environment. Um, they just do it. And Pluto's going to help to um, curtail that because that's not sustainable. So Pluto in Aquarius is revolutionizing technology. And Aquarius in itself is a very humanitarian, progressive forward-thinking kind of sign. So this is laying the groundwork for more, um, let's say, human-friendly and planet-friendly technology. And that can also bring in technology that started off in Atlantis. I mean, there are huge leaps and bounds 
with um, light technology, light therapy, with color, with sound. And that is going all the way back to Atlantis. And because of its involvement with technology and crystals, Aquarius and Atlantis uh, kind of go hand in hand. So this is also bringing giant reversals. Uh, you know, people who have been polluting or, or you know, doing other nefarious deeds uh, for years and years and years, this is going to be reversed. That's the nature of this. I mean, and, and Uranus, I mean, Aquarius, it's ruled by Uranus, Aquarius really is about freedom and liberation, breaking out of bondage, regardless of what that bondage has been. If it has been, you know, bondage to um, to belief systems or bondage to, um, you know, the, the corporate America or materialism or, um, you know, people that are blocking you, holding you back in some way, Pluto moves into uh, into Aquarius, and all of that gets reversed. So, the people who have been benefiting and profiting from um, unrestrained um, technological advances, that's going to have a reversal as well. As people who have been trying to get their invention, their, you know, their green energy device, people that have been trying to get this out there and have been blocked at every turn by the big you know, corporate boot <laughs> that's holding the door shut, that's also going to be reversed. So, um, you know, the the ones who have been um, doing the most damage, it's it's time to come up, you know, and pay for that. And just as as Anastasia Anastasia mentioned in her news, that um, you can there is now the the law. I mean, the courts are getting involved in. Um, holding these polluting companies uh, responsible and accountable for the harm that they've done to the planet and to individual communities. So this, this is all um, exactly what we're talking about here with this Pluto in Aquarius. Um, and this is also because Pluto is a very subtle and powerful energy. Um, sometimes you don't even know when it's operating in your life, um, just as um, the the silent controllers of the planet, we don't know how they're operating either. So that it, whether it's personal or global, Pluto is that very subtle and very powerful um, hand at work, invisible hand, uh, and now you put it in um, in Aquarius, which is that release. Uh, you think of think of Aquarius as out of the blue, where something just comes to you out of the blue, something goes away out of the blue. Um, you understand something out of the blue. It's just that bolt of aha, the light goes off over your head. So things that um, have been blocking you from uh, that moving forward, 
the situation, the, the parameters around that are just going to get hit with this lightning and boom, they're gone. So what does this mean for you personally? Well, you'll have to know your uh, your rising sign and your house cusps to know which house of your chart this energy is um, sitting in. So um, if you do have your chart already and you know where you, where your um, where your houses are, that's great. If you don't, then you're going to want to um, get your chart. Remember the parameters with the Coke house system, um, geocentric tropical, in case you wanted to know. And once you have your chart, or if you already know your chart, then you can follow along with uh, how I'm going to take it around the wheel. And if you have to go get your chart and then come back to this show and, and listen to it again and go around the wheel, um, I think it will become more and more clear to you. So the first house is about uh, it's it's divided by the by the by started by your rising sign. So the first house is like between eight and nine o'clock on the wheel, and that um, is the concern of area of concern for that house is how you see the world and how the world sees you. So if you've got this Pluto at zero Aquarius in your first house, you're going through a huge metamorphosis. Because remember, for Pluto to be in your first house, that means that it has already come through the 12th house. So, I mean, just think of the circle divided into, you know, 12 um, slices. So as Pluto goes through the 12th house, it's gaining um, strength, it's gaining power, and making changes on a very subtle level. And then when it crosses your ascendant, which is also known as your rising sign or your first house cusp, it's that nine o'clock position on the wheel. When it crosses that line, that's when the metamorphosis is apparent um, to you and to others. When people might say, um, I don't know you anymore, especially because it is an Aquarius. That's where you just sometimes you snap. It's like, all right, that's it. That's the last straw. I'm not putting up with this anymore. And it's a good thing. It might not be easy to make that change, but it is for permanent improvement. And when you've also, when you have Pluto in your first house, there is a presence of power. It's very subtle, but when you walk into a room, then people are aware of it on a very um, well subtle or kind of energetic level. And that, as I mentioned before, it will be there for about 15 years, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, depending on the retrogrades. But this would be, if Pluto was in your first house, a time of great metamorphosis. Almost, you know, like when people say, oh, um, that was like another lifetime ago. But you're still in the same body. It's that kind of thing. Well, be like, you know, before Pluto crossed the Ascendant and after Pluto crossed the Ascendant. That's like a, a, a division line there. 
Now, if Pluto happens to be in your second house or your eighth house, you will be transforming your values, your belief systems, things that you always cared about, you might not care about anymore, or things that you never cared about now are the most important. This also um, will affect how you handle your resources, your money. Um, and it's and it's possible that, you know, if you have been, you know, doing really well financially, um, you know, having plenty of money, lots of cars, all that kind of thing, Pluto is going to have you take a look at that and see if it's really important. Did it make you happy? So um, there is a reversal of fortune can also happen when Pluto is in the second house. Or people that have been struggling financially for a long, long time, suddenly it gets easier. Or, or over a short course of time, it gets easier. So with the second house, it depends on how you look at your, um, your possessions. If your possessions define you and you have your sense of, of self and worth according to what you own, Pluto will, will, <laughs> will do more to change that so that you can finally um, figure out what's really important. And for people who have had financial struggles and have been you know, living from paycheck to paycheck, situations can change. And, and that can change as you um, also experience the reversal. So the reversal can be from good to bad or bad to good. It's, it's just the change between the two. And whether or not that happens is related to how you think of those uh, uh, resources that you have, your material possessions. If they define you... Uh, you might not be able to keep them. When Pluto um, is in the third house, this is about um, communication, technology, uh, teaching, learning, um, researching information. And Pluto is also, um, because it has that very, very subtle, very deep um, influence, there can be information that has been um, obscured for a long time that gets revealed and can be very much connected to some kind of technology or um, learning. And remember, because the third house is directly opposite the ninth house, they're both about learning and education and information with the, with the ninth house being the, the higher level of that. And the way you communicate can change uh, very drastically, where maybe before you kept your mouth shut for some reason, or maybe you know you couldn't keep it shut. Those kind of things can change as well. So um, after the third house, we have the fourth house. And the fourth house is about your home, your family, your base of operations, your private life, where um, 
opposite that is the 10th house, which is more your public life. So there is a reciprocity between the houses that um, interconnects them. So when Pluto is in the 4th house, this will um, greatly um, impact the way you um, the way you relate to your your private life, things that need to change that might be you know holding you back. Um, this can also be affected, um, and because Pluto has to do with the past, and the fourth house also has to do with memories and um, and the past. It can pull up a lot of things that need to get pulled up and taken a look at so that you can um, determine this is not serving me, so it needs to be um, removed from my private life or something that is not in your private life that will really benefit you. That's where you can bring it in. Um, Now, the fifth house is going to this is going to have a, a a big impact here on how you uh, how you create the fifth house is about creativity it's also about genius you know like when uh, when an inventor gets that aha moment and and suddenly you know comes up with this brilliant idea it's the house of genius and the sign of aquarius is the sign of of genius and at zero degrees that's the crack between the worlds where you can pull that from other dimensions and other realms Um, and just to you know clarify the crack between the worlds it is that that zero degree point um, that's kind of between the signs and it gives you access to other dimensions uh, and you know, doing um, like meditations and things like that, uh, reaching out to upper realms for higher guidance, it comes much more easily when when you've got this crack uh, on on the on Pluto's position. Um, especially if you were born with other planets at zero degrees, you may find that it's um, it's easier to reach higher than it was before to bring in those inspirational ideas. Um, And the fifth house is also about children because that too is something that you create. And I think that uh, this generation of children coming in with Pluto in Aquarius, there would be a lot of geniuses that helped to bring a technology that we can sustain and and keep not only ourselves but our planet in in healthy um, long-term uh, state. So next, the sixth house. Now this is a house um, that has to do with your health, your body, your service to others, the things that you do every day, your daily activity. And with Pluto in that house, um, and we're already kind of starting to see this, um, as more and more technology, health technology, is being uh, released or, let's say, brought back from maybe the times of Atlantis. 
and uh, people will be less, put this way, they'll be more likely to seek out more of a, a, a natural approach to any health concern. And also, uh, because the sixth is about your health, and Pluto has a very deep and subtle influence, if you have been um, kind of holding your head in the sand about some some health thing that you're not wanting to look at, when Pluto comes into your sixth house, you're going to have to look at that. And, uh, you know, the sooner the better. Because it's something that has been kind of brewing for a while. And when Pluto goes into that sixth house, it's enough to have it, you know, break through to the surface. Also, um, service to others um, in your in your work it may take um, take on a higher octave, where you want to do more, or help more, or serve more people, um, and you'll be you'll be able to do that if you stay on track with your natural state and your rites of passage, which is what we have been you know teaching and training. Um, for the past 14 years, understanding what your natural state is. And when you live from that natural state, that gives you access to your rites of passage, the things that come easily to you. So moving on now to the seventh house, if Pluto is transiting your seventh house, um, this is a house of one-on-one relationships, whether it's your friends, your family, your significant other, your clients, your students, your your patients, your anything that's one on one, one person to one person, um, this will be greatly affected by that. Now, because Uranus is about, I keep saying Uranus because it rules Aquarius, because Aquarius is about freedom and liberation, and you know taking a, a a futuristic, uh, more progressive view of things, um, Aquarius cannot stand restriction of any kind. I mean, it, you might tolerate it for a little bit, but you're going to reach that snapping point. Um, and whether it's the sign of Aquarius or the planet Uranus, if you've been putting up with something and maybe you didn't know what to do about it, maybe um, you were afraid or you felt like, um, you know, you didn't have the courage to go in and, and face that. This is the time when you can do it because you will finally be free. You know, a lot of times people, you know, put up with things that are somewhat detrimental, but it's not bad enough to, you know, throw out the whole kit and caboodle. Well, that's that's what I call when you're tolerating things that are not good for you, but they don't hurt that much, so you keep tolerating them. When, when either Uranus or Aquarius um, gets into a house that is concerned with that particular area of life, as I'm talking about now, relationships. So if you have a person who's been, you know, bossing you around, telling you you can't do that, you can't do this, I want you to act like this, or uh, you need to, uh, you know, follow my lead. Any kind of person who is stifling your your creative expression, that's when the snap can happen. And you just say, that's it. 
I'm, I'm done, I'm out of here, <laughs> and, and I'm finally free. Um, and Pluto also has to do with karma. And in that seventh house, there may be people that enter your life who, um, who came to pay a debt or who came to be paid a debt. So you have to keep your eyes open and, and see things as clearly as possible, which um, you can always you know, go inside, ask your inner guidance, because truly your higher self knows already. Um, you may have powerful people into your life, and that might, that might be a good thing and it might not be. You have to really do your, your diligence, your homework, because you know, very often you know, if a powerful, a powerful person comes into your life, they're going to want to take over, and there goes your freedom. So keep your eyes open. Um, with people coming into your life, or there may be people leaving your life because they weren't they weren't bringing you anything but thorns. And you know that's one of the th- one of the things, the earliest things that uh, that I asked Lavendar uh, when when we first met. Uh, you know, how do you know if someone is really, you know, on your team or not? And um, she said that she had asked that same question uh, much sooner than I did, but she said you'll know them by the fruits they bear. So, you know, if someone is is bringing you nothing but anguish, then there's your answer. And if someone is supporting you and uplifting you, and you know, and you feel better ever after spending time with them, those are the people you keep. And the people that are bringing you the thorns. It's time for them to go, whatever you have to do to get away from that. Now, when Pluto gets into the 8th house, or if Pluto is in transiting your 8th house, this is closely related to the 2nd house. Um, And Pluto is actually the ruler of the 8th house, so it's going to be very powerful here. And the 8th house has to do with life, death, sex, rebirth, resurrection, transformation. You think about that theme. It's the changing of energy from one state to another. So um, if you've had uh, issues with sexual relationships, you're going to find freedom with that. Or it could be your undoing, and it's up to you which way it goes. Um, And the eighth house is also... Um, about other people's resources so you can benefit um, from other people's resources but always remember that you've got to you've got to read the fine print (laughs) when it comes to what you are agreeing to in order to get whatever it is the person is offering you but um, eighth house is also I mean think about um, ancient mystical Beliefs, um, archaeology, especially. There's going to be a lot of um, artifacts and relics, archaeological digs, um, with Pluto at at this crack between the worlds in Aquarius. Uh, but that can be. You can apply that on your to your personal life as well. 
things in your past, things in your subconscious that have been buried for a long, long, long time, you now have an opportunity to bring that out and and transmute it for the highest good of yourself, uh, for people um, around you, but it's it's a very intense house. Now, the ninth house, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, is also about education, but it's higher education, the higher mind, higher understanding, seeing the big picture. This is a very metaphysical kind of house where you're always seeking higher and higher levels of understanding. And, you know, with Pluto in that house, especially at the crack between the worlds, and remember, this is where you've got access to higher realms. And and Aquarius is already a sign that's often involved when people get downloads, that sudden awareness of, of, of you know, the light bulb going off of your head and you have some profound revelation. Uh, that's very, very um, likely if Pluto is in your ninth house. Um, and both the ninth house and the twelfth house have to do with religion. And there are a lot of... Uh, religious, let's say, upheavals going on, and this will intensify as um, Pluto brings out the truth. And in in my personal opinion, um, every religion has something of value, but no one religion has all the answers. And it's always perplexed me that Religions are so separatist. Uh, you know, our faith is more uh, true than your faith is more true than your faith. Um, and that's that's really the opposite. I mean, spirituality is about oneness. And religion is about separation. So I think that there's going to be a lot of um, uh, eruptions of truth coming out you know for the good or for not it's still truth and the ninth house is about ultimate truth and you know religions that have kind of twisted the facts to support their doctrines that's that's going to come out as well so i mean pluto in aquarius is is a lot of um release of um of coercion and uh, you know Pluto can be very manipulative and it can seduce Plutonian energy can be be very seductive and it can draw you in but you've got to see it for what it is and make your own determination on what is true or not and who what person or people does this particular truth serve and you know, I think if it doesn't serve everybody, then it's not the highest truth. So, if Pluto is in your tenth house, this is your house of career, your public life. It is about um, the collaborative efforts that you do with other star seeds. It's your work on the planet. 
So if Pluto is in that 10th house, it is very powerful work. Um, and also, it is uh, because it is in Aquarius, um, that brings in the the technology, the sustainability, I mean, um, healthy technologies. And, um, and certainly if your business, if your work um, uses technologies, this would be supported if you use them in a, in a proper, um, sustainable way. There may be people um, also just walk off the job. If you've been, you know, working in an office and every night, you know, you're, you're complaining about the politics and the unfairness and the, you know, all that backstabbing that goes on in corporate America. If Pluto is in your 10th house, um, you may have had your fill and you say, that's it, I'm done. And a lot of, uh, a lot of big, big businesses, big corporations, you know, big tech companies, uh, big organizations, um, a lot of them are going to be falling apart in the next 20 years, because 15 to 20, that's how long Pluto is going to be in Aquarius. And um, those, uh, what is what's the word, um, clandestine um, uh, practices, where it's like, oh, hey, look over here, and we're telling you all this good stuff over here so that you don't notice what we're doing over here on the other side. That's, that's, that'll just implode. So things that people have been um, you know, wishing for and complaining about, it can all be resolved with Pluto in Aquarius in that 10th house. Um, and you may, I mean, you may have been a, a stockbroker for, for 20 years, and when Pluto gets into that 10th house, you say, that's it. I'm done with that. And the next thing you know, you're studying Reiki. So it's, it's a big turnaround if that is in your 10th house. Now, the 11th house is a very futuristic house. It's, it's about um, progressive thinking and, you know, humanitarianism and brotherhood, sisterhood, um, and it is also about uh, completion of starseed contracts. When Pluto gets into that house, and it's, it'll be in Aquarius, which is the sign of the 11th house, very transformative um, partnerships, especially with starseeds, can form to help bring about the better future that most of us can envision and wish for. Um, and because the 11th house is ruled by Aquarius and Uranus, it is that house of genius. Um, it's directly opposite the fifth, so you see that correlation there, um, where people just get you know, genius-type ideas out of, out of the blue. And it may well have to do with technology, but can also have to do with um, with humanitarianism and friendships and um, you know the brotherhood sisterhood um, unifying the people on a personal level it can help you to um, to see what might be blocking the path to 
your own upward spiraling journey. Now we come to the 12th house, which is the last one in the wheel, and it is the culmination of everything Pluto has learned and experienced as it goes all the way around, which takes about 250 years. Um, And it's interesting that um, we're about 250 years out from the, um, the forming of the United States, the Declaration of Independence. And so America, too, is going through um, a revolution of, you know, how is this working for you so far? Um, and there are things that we need to address and things that we need to change. But as Pluto, um, if Pluto is in your 12th house, this is uh, this is a very, very um, subtly powerful house. I mean, the 12th house um, being ruled by Pisces, naturally, it is about... Um, spiritual attainment, uh, being selfless, um, uh, being so empathic and and compassionate. It has to do with ancient wisdom and ancient mysteries. It's kind of the nature. It also has to do with religion. And when Pluto is in that house, for you personally, um, you may come to realize that the religious... Um, Sunday school filters that were installed for you during childhood, they might just fall away because you will see um, the truth. And um, because this is also, um, it's an otherworldly kind of house. The 12th house is a little uh, separated from from the other 11 houses because it doesn't, want to deal with um, 3D. The 12th house is much more concerned with higher spirituality and and, um, being of spiritual service. So if Pluto is in that house for you, um, there is a a spiritual transformation that is brewing. It might, you might not see, you know, it's not not fully cooked yet until it gets to that first house cusp. And when it comes out, then it's it's a whole new ballgame. So um, I've been looking at this chart here. I'm going to check back on the uh, switchboard, make sure. Okay, we're good. I'm going to try to save uh, some time for questions here, but um, I was going to go through... Another another planet here, um, which I think I can handle. Okay, so now I just I'm, I'm not going to go through all twelve um, with these other two planets as I did with Pluto, because Pluto at the crack between the worlds in Aquarius that's the big one. But right now, Uranus, I'm sorry, Neptune, is that galactic degree in Pisces, which is its own sign. And this um, is very, very spiritual, as I was just speaking about, the 12th house. It's very spiritual, very much about um, religions, but especially Christianity. Um, The thing with Neptune is that Neptune and Pisces will see what they want to see. Because if it's, it's, uh, you know, Neptune doesn't like to look at unpleasantness. So you just turn away. 
until the unpleasant it goes away, and then you just pretend like it wasn't there. Um, and Neptune is much more on a, on a, a higher plane of of uh, of perception, of um, empathy, of compassion, and, and it doesn't really like being around the harsh cruelty of the third dimension. So therefore, Neptune and Pisces tend to turn a blind eye uh, when things don't fit into your your little uh, perceptions. But it's more important than ever because it is that galactic degree that, you know, if you meet someone for the first time, I mean, the first thing you're going to think is, oh, what a nice person. Oh, they've got a good heart. Um and it's good to, I mean, what you're really seeing is the person's higher self. And and it's good to give people the benefit of the doubt, but don't put all your eggs in that basket. Because with with Neptune at galactic degree, your perception of reality can be skewed, and you won't even know it. So, you know, take a walk away, take a breath, um, come back, look at it from a different angle, um, and maybe, you know, Ask someone you trust. It's like, is this really what I think it is? Uh, because sometimes um, Neptune can give you the wrong impression because it'll choose the impression it likes the best. So um, just as I did with, with Pluto, um, if you go through the houses, um, you can see where Neptune is in your house. And then you can look it up in the reference book that I mentioned, uh, Planets in Transit by Robert Hand. Um, And now Jupiter. I always like to know where Jupiter is. Even though it's technically not an outer planet, it still stays in each house for about a year. And Jupiter, I think of as the dessert planet. It brings good stuff, opportunities, growth, expansion. Um, Everything goes your way. With Jupiter, Jupiter doesn't know how to contract or or retreat. It just it's just huge. So wherever Jupiter is in your chart is where you will have the most opportunities, the most growth, um, the the best experiences, um, and natural alignment with with you know truth, and also that need for freedom that goes along with Jupiter. So. Um, a couple of a couple of main points. Um, you know, if if Jupiter's in your first house, you know you've got a much better attitude outlook on the world. Um, and if it's in your second house, um, financial opportunities, you know, better income, higher belief systems. Um, in the third house, easy communications, um, opportunities for uh, discovering new information. In the fourth house, this is where you 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 know attend to your interior space, your sacred space, uh, you know, and make it very supportive of you. In the sixth house, um, it is going to give you improved health and um, opportunities um, to offer your service in in some health related field. In the seventh house. It's, it, it gives opportunities with your relationships. Um, powerful, influential people can come to help you. Um, in the eighth house is where you would benefit 
Uh, if Jupiter's in the eighth house, you would benefit from other people's resources and have a, a, a possibly uh, a profound experience that opens up your mind to new possibilities. And then when it gets, if it's in the ninth house, this is where you really, really grow and expand in a spiritual metaphysical level. You see truth like you've never seen it before, and you can see uh, um, that bigger picture in much more clarity than you could before. When it's in the 10th house, this is really good news for your job, your business, your career, the work you do in the outside world, opportunities for um, either more work or new work. In the 11th house, this this paves the way for um, a better future and um, better time, you know, like good times with friends. Um, and then in the 12th house, similar to Pluto, it's going to help you to expand your spiritual um, reaching, reaching to other people and bring you greater spiritual understanding for yourself. Um, somehow I think I jumped over the fifth house with that one. I'll go back now and get it. Um, the fifth house, when Jupiter's in the fifth house, this is a great time for any kind of creative endeavor. And um, also it's a good time for, for speculation, for investments, when Jupiter's in the fifth house. So... Um, Similarly, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a kind of quick uh, run through with the planet Uranus, um, which is because Pluto is in Aquarius, and that is the sign that Uranus rules. Um, this is whenever wh whatever house Uranus is transiting in your chart is the place or the houses and the areas where you would f find greater freedom whether it's your idea or not. So, for example, um, if, if you have Uranus in the seventh house, relationships that are not working for you, it's hit the road, Jack. <laughs> or people come to help you, and you, you, know, you have that, that simpatico where you, you can empower each other. Uh, although with Uranus in the seventh house, it's uh, not the best foundation for a marriage because Uranus is too unstable. Uh, but any place in your life where you are experiencing restrictions, constraints, um, you know, being you know kind of forced into a a box that's not yours, when Uranus gets a chance. It will come and liberate you. The difference is that if you know that you are, you know, in this box that someone else built for you and made you jump in there, <laughs> and you know that it's not good for you, you have two choices. You either plot your own escape to get out of there, or you do nothing and wait for Uranus to do it. Because when Uranus gets to the house where that is, you know, situation exists the lightning will come and the situation is transmuted instantly boom it's gone of course if you do it yourself 
you get to choose your timing, the method, um, and you have a little bit more say in the matter. If you don't do it yourself, Uranus will do it for you. It might not be as pleasant, but the end result is the same either way. You're going to be free. And freedom is a huge um, kind of theme with, with these planets that I've been talking about, whether it's freedom from the, um, uh, the filters that other people put on you. And then every, every information that comes into your brain goes through that filter, and it can get, uh, it can get skewed. So pursuing truth and understanding through your daily transits. Um, it would be the best thing you ever done if you haven't done it before. And this is also the reason that we put together the Basic Astrology for Starseeds course because it teaches you only the basics that you need in order to follow your transits, as I've just um, been kind of showing you how, how we do it. But you can do this for yourself if you get the Time Passages software and um, the book, Planets in Transit by Robert Hand, um, and it's, I mean, it's everywhere. It's the industry standard book, so it's not hard to find. If you have those two things, you can, um, you can follow your own transits. But if you get the, um, the basic astrology course from our website, I will help you with that because the way I've designed the course, there's text and then there's audio. So you would start with the audio and you press play. And I'll tell you, you go read this paragraph um, and hit pause. You go read the paragraph. And then when you're done with that paragraph, you go hit play again. And then I will explain to you in more depth and in starseed terms what you just read. So, um, and your chart, I will run your chart for you. Um, if you if you happen to go that route, so um, I think that's all we've got time for this evening. But I do hope that you have found this enlightening. And uh, please, I'm going to check the switchboard one more time. Okay, well we don't have any questions, so that's a good thing. I guess I explained it well enough. Um, but please make sure that you you check these things out because if you don't then you are pretty much the cork on the river and you just go wherever the current's taking you and you don't have any say in the matter. Um, and also, if you have something that's really important to you coming up, maybe you're writing a book or maybe you're starting a new business or maybe you're changing occupations or maybe you're thinking about getting married, all of those, those are big decisions. If you make any of those kinds of decisions without knowing about the planetary influence, um, you, you're getting, you don't know what you're getting. You just reach in the bag and it's like, okay, let's see if it's going to work. No, that didn't work. But um, we also, I mean, I've helped people with, with those kind of things before, but you can do it yourself. I mean, you know, if you want to book a session, I can help you with that. But find your window, find the timing, work with the planetary energies at your disposal and it's like stacking the deck in your favor. You know, did you ever have a, a, a time when maybe you left the house to go to some appointment or go shopping or whatever, and you get all the lights green? 
I mean, doesn't that make you feel like, oh, my God, I got all the lights green. You just you feel like there's no obstacles, nothing in your way. It just flows exactly where you need to be. And then other times you leave the house and you get every light green and you get stuck behind the school bus or the, the big truck, and, and it's very frustrating. Um, but if you know, and it's, it's kind of like, the, you know, like if you knew ahead of time that you'd get all the lights green, it's worth the effort that you would put in to find out when those times are. So um, once again, our, our website is starseedhotline.com. If you go in the vault of knowledge, um, you will find the, the download link for the astrology course if you want to go that way or if you want to find out your transits from me, I can help you with that in a live session. But you really can do it yourself. So get time passages, get planets in transit, and start experiencing the power that's available to you in making really uh, strong, wise choices. So that is it for tonight, and I do thank you all for listening, and we're glad to be back. We had a great time in Arkansas and a great, wonderful group of people, so shout out to our May 23 questers. Um, And until the next time, we'll be back in two weeks. Make sure that you hold gratitude in your heart and give compassion instead of judgment. Your life will improve. Until next time, everybody, bye-bye. been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com.